Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. China Perspective. Money FM 89.3. It is now time for China Perspective. I'm Elliot Danker. We're going to take a look at a few headlines, including the possibilities of China making a rational approach in 2024 with regard to their relationship to the United States, plus their continued peacemaking efforts. Any positive outcomes there? Let's examine these headlines with Dr. O.A. Sun, Senior Fellow, Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Dr. O, good afternoon. How are you? Well, good afternoon. I'm actually speaking from Tianjin in China. Yeah, I know. So you're literally on the ground as we talk about the Indeed. headlines coming out of China. Beijing saying they're going to go for this rational approach in 2024. So I, I suppose first thing that comes to mind is in terms of the U.S.-China relationship or rivalry, however you want to look at it. It is a U.S. election year. The advice on taking the rational approach, is it feasible at all? Is it accomplishable at all? Well, they certainly look like it here in Tianjin. I'm actually attending so-called Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference in uh, Tianjin as an observer. And here it's all about welcoming the foreign investments, trying to upgrade the industry and so on. There was no single mention of the current U.S.-China rivalry. And I think planning ahead, I think what they're doing is uh, they're expecting, for example, a Trump win in the upcoming U.S. election. And because Trump, as we all know, is a businessman, they would think that they could talk sense into Trump and they are sort of uh, making preparations for that. That's why there's this so-called rational approach. Yeah, It kind of does highlight the culture of the Chinese when they, uh, in terms of how they approach you know, major matters or even from a business point of view. But what are the odds that they can still remain calm? You know, will, will pragmatism win out even if, let's say, China is provoked? Well, I, I think there are indeed a lot of uncertainties, for example, over Taiwan. And then the, there's the U.S. Congress uh, with uh, some of the more vociferous members who are all advocating on uh, taking a much harder lines on China. And from a Chinese perspective, of course, what they view as peaceful rise uh, in the eyes of the West uh, may not be as such. So, yeah, there are still a lot of variables along the way. Yeah. The odds that China's already, I mean, I know you mentioned it earlier on, but the odds that China's prepared for the possibility of the Republicans retaking the White House, it would be, again, a symbolism of that Chinese culture to always be prepared. Your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think uh, all of us are making all these preparations. And uh, indeed, from a Chinese perspective, uh, even though Trump may speak in a very pompous uh, manner, but at the end of the day, I think they felt that they could still negotiate uh, with Trump, primarily to, uh, because Trump pays more atten attention to uh, for example, trade matters and mm. commercial matters, and not so much ideological ones. Right. And even now with Biden, you saw the other day uh, when asked about a Taiwan election, his yeah. first response was, uh, we don't support Taiwan independence. Yeah. So that goes along the China's uh, official line, actually. So I think behind the scene, there's something going on. For example, the two sides are sort of uh, talking up to each other. Yeah. Mm. 
I guess, in a sense, China's got their own problems, uh, the economy being a huge one or the economic recovery being a huge one. I want to talk about restoring investor confidence. Dr. O, oh, I mean, this is more than just a few policy documents being thrown out there. What is it going to take to restore that investor confidence? What more needs to be done? Well, actually, it's more like what uh, not to be done ah. uh, over the past few years. There were some arrests of uh, Foreigners, sometimes there were some of these uh, businesses, I mean, foreign investments uh, receiving not so positive welcome and so on. So if you cut down on those somewhat unpredictable official moves from the China side, then indeed confidence, I think, could be uh, restored. In Tianjin, for example, you will still see rather high-tech investment from both uh, US and uh, Europe still uh, very much taking place here, yeah. Okay. Uh, there's another issue, which is uh, China's working age population seems to be shrinking, and it does represent a, a ticking time bomb of sorts. Uh, what's your observation on this matter? Well, this is linked to, of course, uh, previous uh, one-child policy. Now yeah. they have uh, very much loosened it up, in fact, encouraging couples to have kids and, and so on. But, of course, there needs to be some time lag in terms of catching up to, well, to, to use a word, uh, to replenish older uh, populations, the younger yeah. populations, right? Yeah. And if this sort of you know, the number of working age uh, populations are dwindling down, it, it keeps on going, then very soon you will have the similar phenomenon as in Japan and some yeah. other countries, whereby you have uh, one person having to support uh, quite a few uh, elderly uh, relatives. Yeah. Yeah. A point of speculation here, Dr. O, you, you would consider, I mean, you, you mentioned there could be a time lag, naturally. The odds that China then, in years to come, could represent a, a place for expatriates to go to if they are able to, you know, build that investor confidence and, of course, tensions between the United States not so fiery as they are now. The odds of that happening, your thoughts? Well, again, I think there are many variables here. Uh, There's uh, China's inbuilt demographic changes, as you say, lack of uh, working-age population, and then sometimes the attitude towards the U.S. might not Mm. be the most friendly and so on. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think a lot of people are still waiting and seeing. Yeah, It sounds like a cultural shift needs to actually happen, and if you're taking hints from some of the policies or statements that have come out, maybe, possibly, that's what uh, presidency is going for. Uh, well, at the moment, it yep. would seem that way as yeah. they yeah, would fair. like to retain and welcome more of these investors. Yeah. Fair, fair. All right, Dr. O, uh, I want to talk about China's continued peacemaking efforts. Uh, Beijing mediated the ceasefire between northern Myanmar, uh, not quite working out as planned with the ceasefire going through a rapid breakdown. Um, Dr. O, has this exposed the limits of uh, Chinese influence in the region? Well, all these are very fluid uh, situations. I mean, in the northern part of Myanmar, you have a lot of warlords sort of getting at each other, right? They might find uh, peace with one another for a few days, and then, shall we say, their interests uh, do not align again, Ah. then they fall out with one another, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Despite uh, intervention or mediation from as big a power as uh, China. Well, that's why they are called warlords. But I think China would have to do more of this. It will build up its uh, diplomatic reputations, even though from time to time it may falter, it may fail, but 
but uh, still, people will see the effort and look at China more kindly. Yeah, yeah to be fair, it is the complexity of uh, peace efforts or peace talks. It is just the way it is. Uh, talking about peace efforts, Ukraine... Piling pressure on China to help bring an end to its war with Russia. Beijing's peace plans now focus on Gaza instead. Would I be correct to assume that? Well, I think they're still on both fronts. Okay. Uh, if they were to able to pull off either of these uh, two fronts, namely either Ukraine or Gaza, again, they'll be looked on as sort of really stepping up to the world stage uh, on the somewhat of an equivalence to uh, the United States. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, from observers like yourself or, or, or me, you, you look and you're wondering... Uh, what exactly is the focus? What exactly is the priority? And it's difficult given that there's so many complexities. Um, just take, for example, Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi keeping his focus at Davos. Your thoughts on you know, his reaction to you know, China's uh, peacekeeping efforts? Well, China has been engaging in peacekeeping for quite some time. So, of course, they are proud of that uh, tradition. But uh, as far as this sort of peacemaking yeah. is concerned, China is relatively new to the scene with the major accomplishment be the rapprochement between Saudi Arabia and Iran, right? Mm. So I think they are very eager to build on that uh, success. Uh, as you mentioned, the northern part of Myanmar, they had, a, albeit, a very fleeting uh, yeah. success, yeah. right? Yeah. But I, again, I think it's okay. Uh, if they keep on doing this, then people will see them as being rather peaceful rather than, uh, let's say, believe. So it's something that if China were to uh, sort of continue with its uh, so-called peaceful rise, it would have to expand uh, more effort uh, in in this sort of so-called peacemaking ventures. All right. I've been speaking with Dr. O. A. Sun, Senior Fellow, Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Dr. O, as always, I appreciate your time. Take care and have a great Tuesday evening. Well, thank you very much indeed. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.